Hello, I'm Des Dearlove, and this is a Thinkers 50 podcast. Today I'm talking to Deborah Rowland, co-author of Sustaining Change and author of Still Moving, forthcoming. Deborah, everywhere we look at the moment, mindfulness is all around us. People are talking about mindfulness, people are applying it in a, you know, in a business um, sense these days. I know your work touches on mindfulness. I know you're very concerned with being mindful when you're leading change management programs. But perhaps you can help just demystify this mindfulness stuff. What, 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 what use is it and what does it really mean? Mm. Well, let's start maybe with what does it really mean. Um, and in a nutshell, I could describe mindfulness as all about awareness. And it's the awareness that arises from paying attention in the present moment, intentionally and non-judgmentally. So in a nutshell, I know there's been many books written about it, but that for me is the essence of what do we mean by mindfulness. Paying attention in the present moment and non-judgmentally. So it's everywhere now. You get mindful coaching, mindful consulting, but it really has come over into Western world through medicine and in clinical settings for like pain management, stress management. And in the last five years, the corporate world, the business world has now taken it on. And I think it's almost been quite mindless in how people have just accepted that mindfulness must make a difference. So we get leaders meditating at Davos at the World Economic Forum. We get loads of books about mindful leadership. In my view, I wanted to try and prove whether or not it does make a difference. And it is not just a fad. Does it really make a difference to how leaders lead change? So I led a study last year to... Um, do some empirical research into whether or not mindfulness or a leader's ability to be mindful makes a difference to leading change. And interestingly, I found out that it does help, but it's not everything. How it helps is that it enables a leader to be very calm, because often when you're going through big change, you're taking thousands of your own people through big change, you get anxious. You get anxious yourself and other people get anxious. So mindfulness helps you become more calm, focus on the present moment and avoid getting irritable or distracted. So it helps you actually um, get in tune with yourself in order to then be able to empathise with other people, which is another key attribute of leaders who can lead change. So were you able in any way to sort of quantify that? Was there any Mm. kind of... Yes, Yes. we did some stats as well on uh, mindfulness. And we actually found out that a leader's ability to be mindful when we did what's called variance analysis, actually explained half the reason why leaders can lead big change well. So it gets you 50% of the way there. Not the whole way, but it's a great starting point. So it does make a big difference to how you lead change. And did you find that the people that you were talking to, because you did a series of interviews, didn't mm-hmm. you, did they use that language of mindfulness? Because it's a fairly new language, or were they just were they talking, did they use other words, or, or were they aware that's what it was? I think the M word, some of them actually knew about it. I think the more common language, though, was around being present. So they talked more the language around, I tried not to be distracted. Mm. I wanted to have a clear head when I went into the meeting. They didn't really use the word mindfulness so much, but we prompted them at the end as to, have you heard of mindfulness and what does it conjure up for you in your, um, in your mind? <laughs> and most of them talked about um, awareness and being present. And there were many ways where they tried to become mindful. Some people went rowing two or three times a week. Mm. Some people actually enjoyed uh, playing chess as a way to become more mindful, focusing on the present moment. 
So there are many ways to, how do you actually cultivate the capacity to become mindful? That was also a goal of our study. Not just does it make a difference, but how can you become more mindful as well? Hmm, fascinating. So you, you mentioned, I mean, let's be clear, what we're talking about is, as things stand, a lot of research indicates that a lot of change initiatives, big change programmes actually don't deliver, they fail. But you're saying that, that in the ones that succeed, or in terms of chances of success, the mindfulness, the M word, can get us 50% of the way. What about the other 50%? Mm, no, good question, Des. The biggest other element to get you over the finishing line, so to speak, in change, is a leader's ability to practice what I call edge and tension, which doesn't really sound that mindful, does it? Almost the opposite. But edge and tension is all about leaders who can really actually describe reality in a very, very clear way and, in a sense, amplify difficulty and disturbance. Because when you're going through change, you have to acknowledge underperformance, you have to acknowledge that we need to do things differently now. And that can be quite edgy and make it very, very tense for people. And a lot of us shy away from amplifying difficulty. We want a, an easy, quiet life. So I found that quite deliciously there was a paradox between inner stillness and then a leader's ability to actually um, almost um, exaggerate disturbance in order to bring about change. But you need both together. But one doesn't work without the other. I, I think you've used the, um, the metaphor and the image of a, of a gyroscope. Mm. Can you talk us through that, how that works? Because I can visualise that. Yes, I was with somebody the other day and they said, Deb, you must see this image and it's a gyroscope. I'm not sure exactly what they're used for, but it's an image of this very, very strong inner centre to a gyroscope that is absolutely stable. I'm not quite sure what the law of physics is around. And the more stable the inner part of the gyroscope you then have these amazing elements around it that can actually rotate around the calm, strong inner centre. And I just felt that was quite an interesting metaphor or, or visual image to describe what still and movement actually mean um, together. And the other, the other image I quite like is the eye of the storm, of course, mm. that there's calm, that there has to be calm in the, in the very centre of things where the, and then with chaos all around. Yes, indeed, and a CEO I'm working with at the moment actually uses that as his metaphor. And he's almost Buddha-like in how he can actually go through a huge restructuring and always remain very, very calm, very centred. And um, so he uses the eye in the storm. And I think that's another good metaphor because at the end of the day, no one falls off the universe. No. But tell me something. This is, this is fascinating. Does this mean, then, are the implications of this that if you're going to lead a big change program you better be in the right I mean you, so you, you need to be in the right frame of mind you need to engage that self mm. that's in a position to do that so potentially there could be times when it, it wouldn't the same leader might have other things disturbances going on in their life so it might not be the right time for them to lead a big change initiative does that follow or is this the case if you reach a point where you have such inner calm that you can just click into this? Oh, that's a very good question, Des, because it highlights the difference between a state and a trait. Yes. So a state is a momentary, you know, you're calm, you had a great night's sleep, so your state of mind today is okay. calm. Yeah. But a trait, um, the leaders in our study who cultivated so much mindfulness that it doesn't matter what they're going through in their lives, they had an underlying personality that was actually more mindful. So I actually do believe that um, change leaders need to not just say, oh, well, I'm lucky today, I'm in a state of being calm, okay. but they need to cultivate it as an enduring trait 
which requires a lot of discipline, actually. And is that something that people can do? Is that possible? It is possible. I mean, the classic way, of course, of doing this is to meditate. And leaders often ask me, Deborah, I just can't quite get meditation. I sit there and I'm trying to focus on my breath and I'm thinking about the board meeting next week or, you know, the holiday with the kids and I haven't yet booked something. So, but I don't think it is just about meditation. There are other ways you can do to become calm and focusing on the present moment. Um, doing extreme sports. Um, I've got a, a client who does um, round-the-world yacht racing. You know, you have to be pretty present when you're actually in a force gale, wind, and on, on, on a yacht. So I think that walking in nature, playing with your kids, I mean, all of these things uh, take you out of all of the hurly-burly and just focus on what's happening right here, right now. Having said that, I do meditation myself, and I do find it's a very good way of becoming more mindful, but it's not the only way. Okay, interesting. Fascinating stuff. Deborah Rowland, thank you very much. Thank you, Des. Thank you for listening. That was a Thinkers 50 podcast. Thinkers 50 podcasts are produced by KDH Creative.